Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his ordinances and his commandments alway. 2. And know ye this day, for I speak not unto your children that have not known, and they have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm. 3. And his signs and his works, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. Moses is telling the people, you need to always keep the law of the Lord, and I am not speaking to your children who have never seen what the Lord did. I'm speaking to you because you guys were babies when your parents were brought out of Egypt, so you did experience it. 4. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. And there is still evidence of Egyptian chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea in the area where the Hebrews crossed. The chariots are still down there, and there's photographic evidence of them, and there's coral growing on them. But of course, in that area, they made a law that you're not allowed to remove coral from the sea. And the reason they made that law is because they didn't want anyone to reveal the chariots because they're covering up the Bible. They don't want people to have physical evidence that the Bible is true. But when you look at the pictures, you can see the coral is in the shape of a chariot. So it's definitely growing on chariots. 5. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came unto this place, meaning that he gave them the manna, the water, the quail, and met all of their needs. 6. And what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and every living substance that followed them in the midst of all Israel. And that was during the rebellion when they went with Korah and they thought that Moses should not lead Israel. And I misspoke in a previous podcast. I said that Korah was Moses's uncle, but he was actually, I think, Moses's grandfather. Nevertheless, because he was an elder, he thought that he should lead the Israelites instead of Moses. But God didn't pick Korah. God picked Moses. So we need to honor who God picks. 7. But your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord which he did. 8. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandment which I command thee this day, that ye may be strong, and go in and possess the land, whither ye go over to possess it. When we obey the commandments of the Lord, we have spiritual strength. That's how we build our character and our strength and our faith is in obedience. The Bible even says that Jesus learned obedience. He learned to obey the Father because by doing you learn. And so Jesus practiced obedience his entire life from the time that he knew the difference between right and wrong when he was a toddler all the way until he died on the cross. He continued to practice obedience. Now you and I will never be sinless because we've already sinned. So we'll never be sinless like Jesus was, but we can currently walk in righteousness. We can forsake sin on a daily basis from now on. We can make that choice. When you make the choice to forsake sin and you give up all the worldly stuff that you used to follow, you do develop spiritual faith that gets stronger and stronger. 9. And that ye may prolong your days upon the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land flowing with milk and honey. When you give up sin, your soul becomes a land of milk and honey. When you take over that soul 
and you start exercising self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit listed in the New Testament. Self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives us. But if we don't use it, if we don't exercise it, we won't get any benefit from it. But as we practice self-control and self-restraint and obeying the law, it becomes easier and easier to do because we get better at it. And then our soul, instead of being a corrupt land of deadness and demons, our soul becomes a land of milk and honey, which is spiritual prosperity, where we have peace, contentment, satisfaction, wholeness, and we have a lack of fear, and we know that our needs are going to get met. It's wonderful to walk in God's laws. It gives you so much confidence and peace. 10. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou didst sow thy seed and didst water it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. 11. But the land whither ye go over to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water as the rain of heaven cometh down. He's saying in Egypt, you had to irrigate the land. And they did. There's evidence that the Egyptians irrigated to get crops. He said you had to irrigate the land and you had to plant the seed. But he's taking you to the land of Canaan, which is lush and it has rolling hills and it's not a desert and it doesn't have to be irrigated. The clouds will come and rain will fall for you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus said that from our belly will come living waters, and he is the living water. That's why heaven has a river of life that flows from the throne of God all throughout heaven. We will never be thirsty. When we get saved and we forsake sin, then we enter a land that doesn't have to be irrigated because it's not dry. We enter a land of living water. 12. A land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. All year long, God is watching over that land. It, it sounds a little bit like Eden, doesn't it? Where God himself cultivated the land, and Adam and Eve didn't have to grow crops. They just could walk around and pick anything they wanted to eat. He's saying Canaan is going to be a little bit like that too, where things are going to grow naturally and be watered naturally. 13. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. 14. That I will give the rain of your land in its season, the former rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil. He will give them the spring rain and the fall and winter rain, if they obey his laws. You'll always have your emotional, spiritual, and physical needs met when you follow the Lord. That doesn't mean you won't be persecuted, because Satan will come and attack, but you'll still be sustained even in that. 15. And I will give grass in thy fields for thy cattle, and thou shalt eat and be satisfied. 16. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. 17. And the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, so that there shall be no rain, and the ground shall not yield her fruit, and ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. The Lord through Moses is telling the people, if you go back to sin, then you're going to have drought. And don't we see this in the USA today and in other places around the world? We see drought because of people's sin. They just won't stop sinning. 18. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and ye shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be for frontlets between your eyes. It's talking about putting the law on their head and on their right hand. They did this by creating phylacteries, which is a little leather box 
that has a little tiny scroll of God's law written in it, placed inside the box. And then there's leather straps that you use to wrap the box on your head, kind of like a crown. And then you also have another box that you put on your right hand and you use the leather straps to attach it to your right hand. And those straps go all the way up the arm to tie it to your hand. 19. And ye shall teach them your children talking of them, when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 20. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thy house, and upon thy gates. He's telling them, talk about my law all day long, tell it to your children, and write it on your doorposts, and on your gates. And that's why they have mezuzahs today that have a little bit of the law written on it, and then they put that mezuzah, which is a little metal decoration, they put it on their doorpost or on their gate. God isn't saying be a robot and never say anything that isn't a Bible verse. He's just saying, keep my law in your conversation and keep me in your conversation consciously on a daily basis and throughout the day. 21. That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children upon the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them, as the days of the heavens above the earth. Have you ever noticed somebody who enjoyed talking about God? Those kind of people are always so peaceful to be around. And when you enter their house, you just feel so at rest. You feel like you're safe there. And that's because they constantly have God on their minds, and they make Him a part of everything that they do. 22. For if ye shall diligently keep all this commandment which I command you, to do it, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. 23. Then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourselves. Remember, every promise in the Bible is conditional. It is not for free. When you go to church, they make you think that all these promises are for free. They are not. Every promise is conditional on obedience. In our flesh, in our natural state, it's impossible to obey the Lord because our body wants, you know, sex, drugs, attention, alcohol, all this junk. We want entertainment. We want, we want what we want. So you can't do it by willpower. The only way that you can obey the Lord is by faith. It's impossible to do by willpower. I don't want to mislead you into thinking that I'm a really strong person and that's why I obey the Lord. No way. I'm no stronger than the alcoholic in the bar. The only difference between me and that alcoholic is I live by faith. And it's because of faith that I can obey the commands of the Lord. It is not willpower. So how do we practice faith? Faith is when you make a decision in your heart and in your mind that this is what you believe if you really believe that Jesus is alive living in you and that he has overtaken your soul and driven the demons out, then you will think like Jesus and act like Jesus. But if you don't believe it and you believe that you're on your own and God has forsaken you and he doesn't care about you and you have to struggle alone and you have to make yourself obey, then you'll act that way and you'll fall because we can't make ourselves obey. We need the power of God to obey his law. And so only with Jesus alive in us do we have that power to obey his law and resist sin. You really have to believe he's in you, and you have to believe you have made a conscious choice to die to your own self-will. The reason a lot of people can't resist sin is because they don't really genuinely believe that Jesus is in them. They believe that they're on their own and that God is just sitting back watching and waiting for them to fall. And that's why they can't stop sinning. But when you really believe that Jesus is your friend and he has inhabited your soul 
and you are dying to your own self-will, then it becomes really easy to obey his law. 24. Every place whereon the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the hinder sea shall be your border. Euphrates is on the northeast side of Israel, and the sea is all along the west. He's saying from east to west, and from north to south, you will have all of that area. Everywhere that you walk will be yours. And again, that's if they obey. 25. There shall no man be able to stand against you. The Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath spoken unto you. This is so interesting because when Noah and his family came off the ark after the flood, for the first time ever, God said, I am now going to make the animals afraid of you that you will have to hunt and work to kill them for food, so you won't just go around aimlessly slaughtering animals for no reason. Because before the flood, animals weren't afraid of people, and they were much easier prey. Now, God is saying, and this is the only time he ever says this in the Bible, is to the Israelites when they're entering Canaan. He's saying, I'm going to make all the pagans afraid of you so that it will be easier for you to take over the land because they'll be afraid to fight you. Even if they do fight, they won't be fighting with confidence. This is a pretty awesome blessing. And you and I inherit this same promise when we're obeying the Lord. The demons are afraid to mess with us. 26. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. 27. The blessing, if ye shall hearken unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, which I command you this day, 28, and the curse, if ye shall not hearken unto the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which ye have not known. 29. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt set the blessing upon Mount Gerizim, and the curse upon Mount Ebal. These are two mountains that are opposite each other. The one, I guess, on the right would be Gerizim. The one on the left is Ebal. And Ebal is the curse, and Gerizim represents the blessing. If you live in sin, you will be the people on the left. But if you live in the law of God, and you walk in his law, you will be the people of the blessing, and you will be the people on the right side. They actually pronounce the curse and the blessing from each mountain. On Gerizim, they pronounced the blessing, and on Ebal, they pronounced the curse. 30. Are they not beyond the Jordan, behind the way of the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites that dwell in the Arabah, over against Gilgal, beside the terebinths of Moreh? Now the terebinths of Moreh are the trees that Abraham camped by. Hundreds of years ago, Abraham had camped by those trees. And then he bought the land at those trees as a burial site. That place still exists in Israel. And near that place is the Mount of Gerizim and the Mount of Ebal. They're going back to the original place where Abraham first camped when he came to Canaan. And remember, terebinths are trees. 31. For ye are to pass over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. 32. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and the ordinances which I set before you this day. In the New Covenant, we don't practice the ordinances. We've been freed from the ordinances, which are the, the new moons, the Sabbaths, the, the festivals, all the sacrifices. We don't have to do any of that, but we still have to obey the law. We don't live by ordinances, but we still obey the law. Jesus in us came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. But he didn't come to fulfill ordinances. There's a difference between the two.
And that concludes Deuteronomy chapter 11.